know, uh, one time when I was in Trinidad, uh, uh, I was with a group of kids. Uh, we used to do a lot of mission work in Trinidad. I'd send some folks to the city, San Fernando, and I'd go down to Rochart Road uh, down in the countryside. I always like being out in the country. People seem to be nicer than in the city for me. But <laughs> anyways, whatever that's worth. But out in the country, man, we'd be out there. And um, uh, the kids who I was with now, they were teenagers back then, but now they're all in their mid-30s right now. And uh, in fact, one of the guys that I'm going to talk about, he... Uh, was uh, he's actually one of the guys who sets up P.F. Chang's all over the world right now. So this story I have to tell you about food had a great impact on him, and he still talks about it. But anyways, we were there, and um, you know we were staying at this Rochard Road Worship Center. There was a downstairs, there was an upstairs where we used to camp out. That's where we would set up all our, our mattresses, hammocks, and everything. And there was a balcony, and I had teenagers upstairs, and I had some teenagers down in the road out there by the ditch where Callaloo and all that stuff's growing. And uh, somehow somebody got a hold of these little tiny green mangoes. And they weren't ripe, and they were, you know, just little green mangoes. What good are those? And so these guys grabbed these little green mangoes, and somebody threw one down at somebody, or somebody threw one up. I'm not sure how it started. It was teenagers. But all next thing I know, they're chunking green mangoes at each other, back and forth, up there. And I remember walking out, getting ready to say, hey, you're going to put somebody's eye out, you know. And uh, <coughs> at that point, I saw a mango come down, and I watched it hit the road, and I watched it roll out into the road. It rolled into this ditch where everything in the world went, and they grew callaloo to eat, which is like an elephant ear, like spinach. It's good stuff, but... This, you know, they were getting, uh, the, the mango rolled down there, and these two little twins, um, I'd gotten scabies, actually. Anybody know what scabies are? They're body lice. Um, the trip prior, I was hanging on to these two little twins that were little babies, and I came home, and I had scabies, and I had to cover my body with Lindane for 24 hours to get rid of them. But the two most precious little twins, it was very rural, very, very, um, just, you know, kind of, um, not very sanitary. Well, these two little twins come running up, and they saw the mango roll into the ditch, and they went to go get the mango out. And my kids are going, throw it here, throw it here, hurry up before they hit me with another mango. And I'll never forget, I saw this whole thing go down. The little twin, one of them grabbed the mango, and he started eating it. And then he gave that little green mango. I mean, this thing had been rolled on the ground in a ditch. He took a bite, and then he gave it to his other twin, and that twin now took a bite. And I'll never forget my teenagers at that point. Man, I watched them down on the ground. They started crying. And up in the balcony, they started, like, crying. What is going on? They couldn't even think straight for the rest of the day. And that night when we're doing our team devotions, all they wanted to talk about was, this is not fair. God is not fair. This is not right. We have so much food that we don't even think about it. We're playing with it at home. We waste food. We go in the refrigerator and say, there's nothing to eat. We're so spoiled. We're all these things. And, and they're like, it's not fair. Why do they not have food? And we do. And, I, and we began to pray. We began to search the scriptures. And you know what? There's not an answer to that question. There's not an answer as to why we have food and they don't, other than the fact that God in his sovereignty, God in his omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence, God in his infinite wisdom has chosen to give us food and to not give them that food. I don't know when I get to heaven if I'm interested at that point, not so blown away by God. I'm going to ask him why. But all God told me when we prayed, this whole team, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Why, God? And he said, yours is not to know why. But what I want you to do is realize what I have given you and you be grateful for it. I want you to real. I just want you, you don't have to know why I don't. I've got thousands of reasons you can't even figure out. But I want you to realize what I've given you and don't ever cease to be grateful for what I have given you. And so it's the same thing with this storm. You know what, man? There's power in the name of Jesus. But were your prayers, and I'm not making fun of you, I'm not saying, because we prayed. How many of y'all prayed that the storm would go a different way? Yes. I, so did you guys pray better and harder than the people in St. Augustine? Did you pray harder and better? Did you, how many of y'all prayed for Haiti too, that the storm would go away? And it didn't. Did God just not answer your prayer at that time? And he answered there and he answered ours for here. It's one of those things we just don't know. And God's, 
you know what, one day maybe God will explain the whole thing to us. Maybe we'll realize we don't need to know, but here's what we're supposed to do with this. I know according to Scripture we're supposed to be grateful for what God has done. I don't know. My prayers were not more powerful than the ones that in, 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 for, for St. Augustine. St. Augustine's devastated right now. I went to college there. I recognized all of that, and it's underwater, thanks to Henry Flagler messing it up back in the 1880s. I'll tell you about that later. But <laughs> that's progress for you, development. But bottom line is we're supposed to be grateful. And one of the ways that we can show our gratefulness and understand that everything we have comes from God is to take the things that God has given us and use them the way he wants us to use them. And most of the things we have and get are not for us. How many of you all know that? Most of what we have is not for us. We have a bucket, and if you keep your bucket full, can God keep filling your bucket? No. You've got to dump your bucket out, and he'll fill it back up. Dump your bucket out, and he'll fill it back up. You dump it where he wants you to dump it. So that's why I have this up here right now. I don't know how we can help St. Augustine and the rest of the country up there, but I do know immediately how we can help Haiti. Um, many of the hurricane supplies that we already have, the things we already have or the things we could so easily go to Walmart and Publix and buy um, are things that they desperately need in Haiti. And I know you can't physically go there. Maybe you can, and we can hook you up through MFI. But Missionary Flights International, they've been dealing with Haiti for a long time. They have awesome, awesome missionaries on the ground. So it's not like just shipping cargo boxes to the big bosses in Haiti and them taking it and giving the leftovers to whoever, which is what happens in the royal countries. They, they have a way to get stuff to the missionaries that are local, and those missionaries can get these things out to the people that need them. Uh, right out of Fort Pierce Airport, they're flying multiple times a week, and they beef that up even now. And there's a list of things that they need that, you know, you don't have to provide all of it, but you can maybe provide some of it. JJ has put it on our uh, website and a link to it on our, uh, there's a link on our app to it, right? Okay, so you can find that list, and there's a couple of ways we can do this. One, you, the quicker you want it to get there, you could actually go get these things and take it up to the airport, um, up in Fort Pierce Airport, right off St. Lucie Boulevard, between US-1 and Feeder High, uh, you know, the interstate. Somewhere up in there, you can Google it and find it, and it's an impressive operation, and you may fall in love with missionary flights, and want to support them and do that because it's all run by missionary pilots, missionary people that are being supported and they're constantly helping in Haiti um, and in that area. So uh, you could buy the stuff, you could take it up there. Um, I don't know right now if we're required to pay the dollar fifty a pound that it costs to actually ship it. They're asking people to just maybe give monetary donations to pay for shipping because every pound that you basically bring up there is going to cost a dollar fifty for them to ship that okay so um, keep that in mind also you may want to cover both you may want to cover one or the other I don't think they're going to turn either one of those away so you could do that or you could bring uh, whatever's on the list to your small group on Monday night on Tuesday night on Wednesday and on Thursday you could bring them to the small groups and we'll make sure that they get to where they've got to go or you could bring whatever's on that list and bring it here Sunday and then help me get it in my truck so that I can bring it up there on Monday. So however you want to get the stuff there or maybe you want to donate your services and you want to say put it in my truck and I'll get it up there Monday or, or on Sunday. So however you want to do it, there's a list and it's an opportunity for us to reach out because we have been spared. <laughs> if we would have gotten cremated by this storm, we would have still been blessed. <laughs> If we'd have died, we'd have been blessed because we'd be in heaven right now if you're a believer. But God's always blessing us. What a, Tom, you remember down in Nicaragua what they always said all the time? God is good. <laughs> and everybody say, repeat back with me. I say, God is good. Well, they would say, God is good. And then all the time, all the time, God is good. All, they're constantly reminding themselves of that. And that's what we need to remind ourselves of. So if you would like to help out uh, with Haiti, uh, we've got this opportunity for you, and you can find stuff on the website and on the, and on the app, and we can, uh, we can make a difference there because uh, maybe you went out and maybe you're one of those ones on Facebook, I hope you're not, that like, oh, those meteorologists exaggerated, blah, blah, blah. No, you were spared. <laughs> they did not exaggerate anything. That storm took a little wobble at Freeport, and that was our saving grace. If that thing would have been 50 miles west, 40 miles, even 30 miles west, right now it would have looked like Hurricane Andrew all up and down this coast, man. And, and that's not us. So, 
uh, we should just say thank you. And so as a corporate prayer on the count of three, would you all to God, hey God, you're listening, right? Okay, one, two, three. Thank you, because we still have a place to worship. Awesome. Hey, kids. All right, on your mark. Get set. And go. All right. <laughs> all right. Any other uh, thought? You know, any other questions on Haiti and all of that kind of stuff? Please let me know. And obviously, if you know of people that need help, I know there's still some people that don't have power here because we can smell you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm messing with you. No, I got. We got people all over here. Uh, I, I, uh, no matter what, we're blessed. And uh, and I want to kind of help put all this in perspective because how many of y'all have thought about that? You know, you're about praying, and it's like, you know, it's like, if, man, you saw the post. We prayed, and God moved it. And it's like, well, I'm, but have you thought about other people who prayed, and it didn't get moved? Anybody had those questions? Well, we're going to look at it kind of from Psalm 91's perspective today um, and kind of understand the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. They understand, you know, between what we want and what God wants and what God ultimately wants from us and how all that kind of works. And I'm going to try to explain it as best I can, as long as Terry keeps his shoes hidden, man. All right, so we're good. Um, <coughs> all right, so let me tell you a couple things about Psalm 91. And this is kind of cool because there's some cool stories with Psalm 91. Um, we had mentioned it, actually, first, we mentioned it in Monday Night Life Group. And then we didn't have life group again that week because everybody's getting ready. But we had mentioned it, and then it got brought up on the line. It got brought up on our on our, our uh, app. It got brought up in a numerous ways. And one of the coolest things, uh, Yeroon, who just went down with the kids, um, they stayed. They were going to leave, but God directed them to stay. And um, Carrie and uh, and uh, Yeroon and you know little Milo. You guys know little Milo, little uh, little Milo. Well, they were in their safe room the night the hurricane was going through. And evidently some conversations came up and Carrie had just seen it posted. And so she started reading Psalm 91 to Milo. And she got to lead Milo to Christ that night. <laughs> and that's a cool thing because that's something that lasts for eternity. So if there's no other reason that came, it was for that. And so just in Psalm 91, it's something that kept coming up. But I want us to understand the power in Psalm 91. And so what I'm going to do is share with you a little bit about it. Um, the book of Psalms, in case you don't know, it's a song book. And it's actually written, it, it, it's set up, if you will, think of, it's like, it's like back in the days. You guys remember albums? You know the big CDs? You know, this would be like a five-album set, okay? They divide it up into five groups, okay? And, um, and so this Psalm 90, or actually 89, uh, is the beginning of the fourth album, or the fourth, you know, chapter, fourth set. Of things, and it's not written necessarily in can, uh, chronological order. It's more written kind of by by categories of things that go together. So we know for a fact that Psalm 90 was written by Moses. Okay, David wrote most of the Psalms. <coughs> There's a few other artists tribute, uh, you know, things tribute tribute uh, who get credit for it. But we we know that Moses wrote Psalm 90. We don't know who wrote Psalm 91, but it seems like a companion to Psalm 90, like like part two. You know, and so there, there it is. It's like that secret track hidden on your tape. Remember, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, so Psalm 91, we believe, was written by Moses. It was probably written after they had already blown it. You know, when Israel blew it, God had told them that they were now getting ready to go into the promised land. And before they were getting ready to go, he sent, ten, uh, he sent spies out, right? And out of those spies, he sent 12 spies, one from each tribe. And so they all came back. Ten of them came back and said, dude, this place you're sending us is awesome. The fruit, the, the land, the, everything is great, but the people are too great for us. We feel like grasshoppers. Man, we can't go in there. It's awesome. Why would you tease us like that, God? Why would you make that promise and then not let us go because these people are too powerful for us? And two people, Joshua and Caleb, they were the ones who said, no, but God's going to send us, so he'll take care of those people. Don't worry about them. This is awesome. Thank you, God. But because of those 10 and everybody following those 10 with a lack of faith, God said, you know what? This generation is going to die in the wilderness. So for the next 40 years, they were marching through the wilderness, but with no purpose. They were with no purpose. 
except to die. And as they died off and died off, when the last one, and they were there for 40 years, one year for each day that the spies were gone. And, and so for 40 years, they were marching with no purpose until they all died off with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. And then they finally got to go in that promised land. So while they're marching around with no purpose, Moses is writing probably this psalm here. And he's saying, guys, even though these things are all going on, be encouraged to know that you still belong to God. Know who God is. And so in the very first two verses, he uses four different names for God. And in those four names for God, he shows us a little bit about God's character. And then he goes on and says, here's, if you will follow God, here's the promises for you. Now, so that's the setup for this psalm. But the second part of this is I want to make a distinction between Israel and us. Now, here's Israel's deal, and it's different than our deal. Israel's deal is this. That, look, I'm going to give you these rules, these regulations. I'm going to give you a way to follow me. And if you will follow me perfectly. Everybody say perfectly. perfectly. Yeah, how many of y'all like that rule? <laughs> if you will follow me perfectly. How many of y'all be disqualified already? Yeah. He said, if you will follow me perfectly, then I will promise that I will answer. I will, I will fulfill all these promises for you. Now, did Israel follow him perfectly? No, so therefore it was conditional and their promises weren't fulfilled. And so when you read the Old Testament, you read this, you're seeing the deal God's cut with them. And, he's, and so if we try to apply these, these promises and claim them ourselves, as some authors do, it just doesn't work. You know, you're going to see discrepancies here. That's why we're like, well, I prayed, well, I did this, and this didn't happen, and that didn't. Well, we got a little bit different deal. And this is, it also will describe why Israel kind of missed the Messiah, too. Because here's what was supposed to happen. They were supposed to follow him perfectly, and then externally, they were going to get all the rewards. Externally. Like Rome leaving you know, them alone. Like them being their own kingdom. Like having everything fulfilled. That's why when they thought when the Messiah came, he was going to kick Rome in tail, and they would now be in charge, and they would have everything God had promised. Their promises were external. You follow me, you're going to have health. You follow me, you're going to have wealth. You follow me, you're going to have all this great stuff. And it's all about the external stuff. But you see, when Jesus came, right in the very first sermon he preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 33, he said, but he said, you seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And what did he say? Everything you, will be, you need will be added to you. You let me decide what you need. You seek first. I'll make sure you have what you need. But he kept trying to tell him the kingdom of God is not an external thing. Instead, it's a what? Internal. It's an internal thing. I'm not going to kick Rome's tail. In fact, persecution from Rome's even going to get worse. You guys are going to be burned. They didn't, he didn't tell them all this. Things are going to get worse for you. And worse for you, especially after you start preaching my name everywhere. You're going to be highly persecuted, man. Things are not going to get better externally. But they are going to be the most awesome they have ever been internally. That's it. And they didn't get that. Because they had a deal with God that if we follow you, everything's going to be hunky-dory. I don't know where that word comes from. Anybody heard that word before? Oh, my goodness, that's an old word. That was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. But <laughs> So what I'm saying is if you follow him, you know, that's what they're thinking. If you follow him, everything's going to be awesome on the outside. And we have people preaching that garbage today. He never promised that. He promises to meet our needs. But he gets to choose what our needs are. Amen? Amen. Not us. And so he promises, though, that if you walk in the spirit, that's our gig. You give your life to Christ when he gives you the desire and ability to surrender your life to him. That he comes and lives inside you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And yes, he will give you a home in heaven one day. But while you're here... You walk in that spirit. You follow that spirit. You don't quench that spirit. And by the way, when we do, we can repent and, and we never lose that spirit. He says that you will be filled with the spirit and the fruit of the spirit is what? Help me out. Throw some fruit of the spirit out at me. What? Love. What else? Peace. We got joy. Gentleness. Oh, I see what's special to each one of you. Now, no. But yeah, love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And you know what he's saying? Those things we have regardless of what's going on outside. 
Now, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you. In the same household, man, I know Ashley was praying, God, storm surge. Just do something supernatural. Keep the storm surge out of my cute little townhouse. We just moved here. And I know that was her heart. My heart, I was not praying that way. I prayed that way in the first hurricanes. You know what, man? I didn't care. <laughs> Honestly, that's how I prayed. And I said, God, for other people, I don't know, you know, God, what you want to do. But personally, this was the first storm I've ever been through where I didn't care. And it's not that I don't love you. I don't love, I just don't love this world. I don't need my house. I don't need my stuff. If all of it got washed away, God would somehow provide everything all new again. If I knew I lost any of you, I'd see in heaven. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like for the first time. So I, I was like, God, I don't even know how to pray for this. I really don't know how to pray for this storm other than your will be done. God, I'm cool with whatever. So that was not for every one of you. That was for me personally. That's how he wanted me to come to grips with. I'm cool with whatever you do. If you take it all away or if you do nothing, I'm cool. And I was cool when the next day I'm looking, okay, <laughs> we have a debris pile twice the size of my truck in front of our yard. And it was hard work yesterday cleaning it up. But I'm cool with that. That's cool walking on the beach with you guys, man, the next day. Like, yes, God. But I would have been equally cool if it was all gone. But God, that was my prayer. And God, each of you, God gave you your own prayers. But he wanted to show us each something in that. Because what God's not concerned so much about the externals as he is the internals so look at this and so i want you to understand when all these promises go down here those promises are specifically for israel that means he's not going to give us those promises well they're not our promises but what it does show us is things that he can do his possibilities it shows us what he's capable of and so as you pray for something you can be encouraged by it you know we are blessed if our house if, if we were worshiping out on the beach and all this was gone but we're blessed being in here under ac amen, amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah so look at this now in this it says in verse one it says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i will say to the lord he is my refuge and my fortress in god in him i will trust i want you to notice there's going to be four words for god in here that are going to show us four things of his character so he goes on and says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. Now, I'm going to keep using T Terry over here because he's got these, these just holy angelic shoes on. So just as an illustration, I'm going to use him as God today, okay? And so what it's saying, now, now if you ever question that he's God, just ask his wife, all right? She'll like vouch he's not, all right? But, and, and Terry will even vouch for that, but his shoes are just so, Terry, hold those shoes up, man. Look at that. They're just, oh, dude, because I don't have shoes. That's awesome. All right. So he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. So here's what he's talking about. If I will dwell, what does it mean to dwell somewhere? Tell me out. To hang out. Yeah, man. If I will hang out in the secret place of the most high. Now, how many of y'all let people into your house? All right. Well, first of all, how many of y'all don't let people into your house? They stay on the front porch, right? Okay. All right. So, but how many of you like have some folks that you actually let come in one of the rooms? You know, they're out there. But how many of you will let somebody actually come into, like, you know, not just use your bathroom, but I'm just saying, man, they, like, like, like your den, man, your private place. That's what God's talking about. I want you to see, you know, they're, they're, you can go, you can get to the front door, you can get to the foyer, you can get to the living room, but to get into the intimate space, that's what this is talking about. He who dwells, that's talking about us, if we will dwell and hang out in the secret place, God's ultimate place. Like right now, I'm hanging out in the vicinity of these godly shoes, okay? I'm hanging out in the vicinity, but I'm getting a little closer. I'm getting a little closer, and I'm getting closer. Now I'm just hanging out with the secret place in these shoes. All right, I won't go any further. So I'm, I'm, that's what it's talking about. The closer you get to God... The more you're getting in that secret place. Now, it's not talking about some mystical thing where now he's going to give you great revelation nobody else has. But what it's going to do is the closer you are to God, the tighter you're with him and the less you'll miss. The less you'll be distracted by other things, the less you'll be discouraged by other things. You're hanging out with him. You're like a shark, like a remora under a shark. You're as tight as you can be, man. A little remora under a shark. Anybody going to go after that and try to grab that remora? No. It's got all the protection it needs. 
Man, is it going to have all the scraps it needs when that shark's feeding? Yeah, man, it's going to have all the provisions it needs. And it's going to get to go places it couldn't go in its own little fins. And so what he's talking about is, man, here's what I want you to do, guys. Hang out in the secret place. Get as intimate as you can with the Most High. Now, this word Most High is the first word for God that we're going to see in here. It's the word of Alion, Alion. And, um, and what it uh, means is it means that he possesses everything. This word for God, Alion, means that he owns it all. <laughs> so, man, it's one thing to hang out in the secret place in a shack, you know, in Fort Pierce where I live. <laughs> it's another thing to hang out, you know, to hang out in a palace. And so this God owns everything. And again, for us, it's not necessarily about the possessions. It's not about the externals, it's about the internals. He owns all, he owns peace, he owns love, he owns joy, he owns patience. He owns all those things that we need regardless of our circumstances. So here's what it's saying is that if you will hang out in the most inner place you can, in, you know, with nothing in the way of just of you and God and that intimacy of the one who possesses everything. All right. So God, the most high, Elyon, possesses everything. So if somebody possesses everything, do they have what you need? Yeah. OK, so they have what you need. And he says, if you hang out that way, you shall abide. In other words, stay under the shadow of the almighty. This word almighty is the word El Shaddai. Y'all, how many of y'all remember Amy Grant's old school song? El Shaddai, you know? Yeah, it, but how many of y'all know what El Shaddai means? El Shaddai is talking, of, it's a name for God that means he provides. So if you're hanging out in the most intimate secret place with the one who possesses everything and know that he provides, is that a bad place to be? No. Whether you're in the midst of a hurricane, an earthquake, a war, a famine, pestilence, whatever it is. Now, does that mean that you're not going to get the disease? Does that mean you're not going to get the wind? You're not. No. But if you're in the intimate place with the one who possesses everything, you're going to be under the protection. That's what that shadow is talking about of the one who wants to provide. So here I am hanging out with Terry's shoes. All right. You know, I'm here now. Now I'm putting myself under these shoes here and anybody comes near me. Somebody want to try to come near me here. He's just going to kick the snot out of you with these, right? Because <laughs> I'll need protection. But whatever I need. So you understand God, he has everything we need. He possesses everything and he wants to provide. But it only comes. But now let me ask you a question. If I'm over here and Adam wants to pick on me, oh, stop picking on me. Can, you know, if I'm over here and Terry's not going to move, can Terry kick him from here? No. And that's what happens. You know what? When we're in a relationship with God, God is in one place. Now, God is everywhere physically. Okay, let me make this point. But the fact is, is God ever with evil? Is God ever evil? No, in fact, John says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if you're walking in the light, you're walking with him. If you're walking in the darkness, are you in the same place with God right now? No, no he's physically there. God has no part of darkness. So the closer, the more you walk in the light, the more you stay under the shadow of the Almighty's protection. So that's what he's saying, man. You've got to dwell in that. You got to hang out in the place of the one who, who possesses everything because he wants to provide. But he's only providing when I'm right there with him. Because here's what happens He'll, He has provided when I've been away from him. But I also wonder how often he's provided for me when I'm away, how much more he wanted to provide. Right. You know, when I'm over here and I'm not looking at him. I get terrified by the wind. I get terrified by the rain. I get terrified by insurance and, and, and adjusters and all that kind of, I get terrified by these things of the world. But when I am hanging out in his secret place and all I can think about is him, and all I can do is be with him at that point, then I'm not terrified by any of that because I know I'm with the one who possesses everything and I know Amen. he's gonna provide. Right. That's Al-Yan that's Al and that's El Shaddai. He will provide. If we need the storm to jog a little bit to the right, can God, can my big God take it and say, poof, and let it go out there a little bit further towards Freeport? Yes. But what if we needed it to come straight smack dab through here to bring more people to Christ? Could he do that? Absolutely. 
It's all for his glory. Yes, I'm glad and I am grateful you didn't get any storm surgeon. I didn't. I still have a roof, man. It's awesome. And we have power. I'm grateful for all those things. But it's his choice. My job, my be the best place that I can ever be is hanging out as close as I can with as few distractions and, and, and things to disappoint me and take me away, to distract me from him. So he wants me to hang out with the one who provide, who, who possesses everything, knowing that he wants to provide whatever it is I need. What a great promise that he will provide what we need, but he gets to choose that. But now look at verse two, he says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, my God in him will I trust. This word Lord right here, um, this word Lord actually is the word Jehovah. And it's the word that Israel used for the promise, the God who makes promises, because he's the covenant God. So in this, I will say of the Lord who makes promises, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, my God, this next one, um, in this, and I knew I was going to forget this, it's, it's, it's Adonai. This, not Adonai, it's um, Elohim. Mm -hmm. And Elohim is the God who has all power. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1 1, when it says, In the beginning, what does it help me out? Chapter 1 1, in the beginning, God created, right? In the beginning, God, He created. And you know what's cool about this word, Elohim, God? This is the second one in here. The creating God is that it's always that word God, that word Elohim is plural, but it's always treated like singular in a sentence. So it's like us saying, hey, we is. <laughs> now, I know you're an ex-teacher. That probably kills you, right? We is. We is going. Well, who's we? You and the mouse in your pot? You know, it's like, I am. In other words, it, it, it's, it's God. It, this word for God is plural. So who's that talking about? God the Father. God the Son. Yeah, wisdom is what they created. God the Holy Spirit. It's talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's, it's plural, and he has all power. So... Think about it at creation. How did God create things? Did, did he go to Walmart and get some Play-Doh? And then he went to Home Depot, got some sand, and then he went, you know, and, and borrowed some water. No, where did all that water, sand, and all that stuff come from? He made it. And how did he make it, Ellie? He spoke it into existence. Did he need Walmart? How many of y'all freaked out when Walmart closed at noon on Thursday? <gasps> you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, I don't need anything, but I might, and I can't. <laughs> You know, it's like he doesn't ever freak out because he can make it. He can speak it into existence. So when it talks here, it says, I will say of the Lord, that's the God of promise. I will say to the one who makes promises, he's my refuge and fortress, because that God is the one with all power that can speak it into an existence. So what he's saying here is that when God makes promises, he can keep his promises. How many of you have ever broken a promise and it wasn't really your fault? Because somebody else didn't come through and somebody else didn't come through and somebody else. Well, God never has to worry about that. Whenever God promises, he's the only one responsible for making all that come through. And so in this, again, so if you take a look at the first two verses of what he says, when he talks about Most High, he says, man, the God who possesses everything, the God who possesses everything wants to provide. And the God who makes promises is all powerful. Man, what better place to hang out? If I'm going to hang out anywhere, I'm hanging out over here by these shoes. I'm hanging out here with God. And why would I want to go wander over here? Why would I get lured over here from the world? Why would I think that, okay, I'll be here sometimes, I'll be here sometimes. I'll be over here sometimes, and I'll come. Isn't that our Christian life sometimes? It's like, okay, well, man, I'm gonna get, we're getting close to Sunday. I better start getting right with God now, you know? And it's like, oh, Monday, well, we got life, uh, you know? And, and we have these times where we can go and not live for God and we think it's okay. But look what happens when we hang out with him. The closer, the more we hang out in his private little den. You know, I took my son Matthew's old room and it's like in the middle of the house right there with his old bedroom and I just got rid of everything. Uh, as much of his dirt as I possibly could, but you know how that goes. And I, man, the, the carpet you gave me, that interrupt, I, I put that and it covered his carpet. I got all my books up now. I got cool stuff on the walls. It's like my little office. It's, my, it's not really an office. It's more like a man cave slash study. 
I got my hammock hanging in there, so that's where I study. I can hang out in the hammock. And, and, and I also now, I have two places where if you were actually invited to come into that innermost place of my house, which would be over my wife's dead body, <laughs> but if you were invited to actually come into that innermost place, man, that's what it's talking about. You could hang in that hammock, I'd hang in that hammock, and we'd sit there and talk with each other. We'd watch the ceiling fan go, no, we'd just like, whatever, dude, man, that, that's what it's talking about. If you'll come and hang out in that innermost place and realize he's got all, he owns, he possesses everything, and he wants to provide, and he makes promises, and he has the power to fulfill them, he said, that's the best place to be. You know, hanging out with me wouldn't be all that special, right, Tom? <laughs> it's all right. We can, we hang out. I had fun with you, man. But hanging out with God, that's something, man. And so that's the first part. And that's really what he's trying to, to get through to us here. So look at Ethan. Let's see some of these promises. And these promises aren't ones that you can claim, that you can say, this is a promise. God promised this and promised the safety. But what I want you to know is that uh, this was a promise for Israel and this is certainly God's potential. I want you to know what God's capable of doing. And if God gives you the promise, then by all means, you got the promise. But don't take this and say, God promised this is going to happen because it's going to mess your theology up when St. Augustine gets flooded and we don't. And you know people prayed equally hard. It's up to God to figure out what goes on. But this is what he's capable of. Look at this. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. What's a fowler? Do you know what a fowler is? Hey, do you know what a fowler is? Who knows what a fowl? Hey, Jay, Jay, you know what a fowler is, bro? Yeah, they're uh, yeah. What is it? A, a bird trapper, right? It's a snare. It's a trap set up for a bird, so a bird can be just like, oh, you don't go get to worm. Bam! Now it's in a cage. It just gets trapped. Now in a trap, do you know that the trap's there? Well, hopefully not. If you're, if you're otherwise you're a pretty dumb bird. <laughs> you know, I mean. Traps are hidden, traps are secret, traps are something that somebody unsuspectingly gets in. How many of y'all have been trapped in something? And don't say your marriage. No, Because <laughs> once you're married, it is God's will, you stay married now. But, but a trap, man, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to not be trapped? Man, I can think of so many times in my life as I walked with God, not knowing what was going on, knowing something wasn't right, and then looking back in hindsight and watching how he saved me from being trapped in certain things. People were actually trying to set me up, but I was too dumb to, to actually follow the bait and go in the trap. <laughs> and I'm glad of that. And so that's what he says, man. You, you stay in that secret place with him. You stay in that intimacy with him, man, he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And that's a promise I think you can hang on to now. Because it's only when people lure you away from the right thing that you get sucked into the wrong thing. So that's a promise I think we can hang on to. And look at this. And from the perilous pestilence. There's something you want to say three times real quick. But, you know, if everybody around you is sick, can God, and there's a plague going on, can God protect you from that? Yes, but that, is that his will always? Not necessarily. Maybe you're supposed to get real sick and lead a nurse to Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> but it's all his choice. It's his choice in this matter. He, got, he can keep you from getting sick if that's his will. But he, he can also have a purpose in you getting sick. He shall cover you. Look at this, man. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Um, he, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. So as long as you stay walking in the truth, you're staying under his umbrella of protection. Imagine having an umbrella and it being raining. Where would you stay, Natalie, if it's raining? Where would you stay on that umbrella? Yeah. What if you were like holding the umbrella saying, Jack, you know, I'm getting wet. <laughs> you know, what would you do if your wife is like walking to you with an umbrella saying, I'm getting wet. <laughs> what would be? That's how we come to God sometimes, right? We're not walking with him. We're like, God, you don't love me. God, this world's terrible. God, I'm broke. God, I'm this. God, I'm that. And, and it's like God says, get under the umbrella. <laughs> and the umbrella is his rules for our It's the truth. He's using an illustration here of a bird, a mother eagle, you know, with her wings covering her, her young. I read an illustration recently about this where... I don't know, somewhere where there was a big forest fire, probably California, that's where that all happens. And, and when they were going through it, they found like this bird. <laughs> and, and, and evidently it didn't really fry the whole bird, but it was enough to kill it. They found this dead bird like this, and when they lifted it up, they found little baby live birds. Oh. That mother giving up its life 
for the baby. You know, that's what Christ did for us. But that's what God says. Stay under my wings and you'll be protected. Stay in that intimate place with me. He said, and the way you do it is through truth. This truth shall be your shield and your buckler. But if we have the truth, we have the umbrella, but we don't stay under it, we can't be protected by it. Next verse. He said, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night. How many of y'all like no spooky things happen at night? You know what I'm saying? At night? Why are we afraid at night? Yeah, it's dark. Why is that scary? Yeah. You're not helping me any. <laughs> but I like that simplicity. You're right. It's dark, so we can't see. But it's almost like during the day when we see what's going on, we think we're smart enough to figure it out, don't we? But it's always spiritually dark in this world. That's what we need is light. And so, you know, in this, man, he said, even at night, at night represents when we can't see what's going on. We don't even have a clue what's going on. He's saying, man, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid because who can see everything that's going on? The one who you're hanging out in this little secret den with, the one with the white shoes, man. You're hanging out right there with that person, all right, with God. The one who, who possesses everything, the one who... Uh, wants to provide the one who makes promises and has the power to be able to keep them. And then look at this, verse 6, nor the pestilence, oh, he's talking about arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor destruction that lasts, uh, that lays waste at noonday. All these things are things that happen. But now, you know, ask Corey Tim Boom. How many of y'all have ever read Corey Tim Boom stuff? Yeah, dude, The Hiding Place. What a great book to read. Man, they were hiding Jews in Amsterdam or thereabouts, you know, hiding Jews. And you would have thought God would have blessed them, and he did. You would have thought God would have protected them, and he did. But one day the doors knocked, and they went to concentration camps. They went through some of the sickest, nastiest, messed up stuff, but they never stopped seeing life from God's perspective. And, and, and they were grateful for all of that. So you tell them that you pray hard enough, you won't have hard, bad things happen to you. Well, it's only bad when you see it from your perspective, but when you see it from God's perspective... It's good. You should read the story and the testimony of the things God did of being able to see what they saw from God's perspective instead of their own. So it's not God's will always that we have everything. What was that crazy word again? Hunky dory, right? That's not always his goal. But his goal is that we always have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self, all those things. And what was that one? Gentleness. Yeah, all of those things. Regardless of our circumstances. Next one, Ethan. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Now, what do you say to the people in Haiti who have not, what's that? What's the death count up to now? About eight hundred or so? Eight, nine hundred? And, and you know it's got to be well over a thousand. What do you say? What do you say to those people who who watched uh, who are believers who are praying and watch their loved ones and they're dead right now and they're waiting for the floodwaters so they can bury them? What do you say to them? When you say that's a promise God has for you, that's not our promise in this New Testament period. Our, new, our promise is that you can have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. You can have all these things as you stay close to God. And you can see it from his perspective. And you can realize, let that motivate you. Let that inspire you. Let, that, let God direct you through it. But it doesn't mean, man, don't you dare get disappointed with God if it doesn't come out the way you prayed. Because it wasn't God that got it wrong. <laughs> it was you. Whatever you want, God. And I love it when God does give me some direction and tells me specifically how to pray. I know God gave Ashley direction on how to pray for that storm surge. And I was so odd to see. He didn't ask me to pray the same way. And I'm not saying it was her that rescued all of you. It was God. <laughs> there were a lot of people praying for the storm surge. But God put that in your heart. And if that's what God's put in your heart, pray with everything you got. But you got to pray that way. That's what praying in the spirit is. But he's got different purposes. And it isn't always to rescue you this way. Okay, and look at the next part, verse 8. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. And let me ask you a question. If you don't do any, if, 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 if you are walking in the spirit, if you're, if you're, if you're walking in the spirit, or, uh, you're going to have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness. And, and what he's saying here is that if you're not walking in spirit, wicked is doing things with the, without the intention of following God, doing things without the intention of glorifying God. And so are you going to suffer 
the same consequences? Not necessarily, but like look at our country right now. Because a country is not following God. And I'm not just talking about this presidential election. I'm talking about our country for years, abandoning God. We're going to have some consequences of it, but can any, whoever gets elected president and what, whoever Supreme Court justices get appointed from all of this and whatever laws get written and whatever happens to Congress and all those things, if you walk in the spirit, can it take your love, your peace, your joy? Can it take the internals away? No. You can let it take it away, but it can't take the internals. But can all these elections and all these politics and all these world-changing things going on, can it change the externals? But it can't change the internals. Has there ever been a time where we need to be filled with the Spirit? Then now, so the internals. Now, I'm not saying we don't do what we believe we're supposed to do in each of these. And, 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 and we do. But the bottom line is that nobody can take the internals away. And the internal, we're walking in the spirit is love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. There's nothing that can take that away. So verse 9, go ahead, Ethan, we're almost done. He says, because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the most high, there's that most high, El Elyon, the one who owns everything, your dwelling place. And I was thinking about that word most high. Um, if you had storm surge coming up and coming up, coming up, would you want not want to be in the most high place? <laughs> would you not want the most high shelter if you had storm surge coming up? You know, there's stories about people in Katrina and even in the 1928 hurricane in Okeechobee, people drowning in their attics. But can you imagine, man, not being able to get out and drowning in your attic? But I was thinking with storm surge rising, you'd want the most high. Well, if you can imagine the evil of this world, the storm surge is rising, we need to be in the most high place with the most high. So he says, because you've made the Lord, who's my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. He says, no evil will befall you, nor shall any plague come near you or your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, keep you in all your ways. Again, these are promises for Israel. But the fact is, is no one can take your internals. They can take all your externals. And your papers too, right? They can take your papers. They can take your dock. They can take your electricity, right? <laughs> they can take all your roof. They can take all those things. But they can't take your love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness. So they can't take your internals. And by the way, verse 11, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, you guys remember that? Mm -hmm. When Jesus was being tempted and, and the devil said, hey, Jesus, why don't you stand up on the highest part of the temple and all the worshipers are there and jump off. Go ahead, jump off, Jesus. And when you jump off, Psalm 91 says that the angels are going to come and rescue you and you're not going to even dash your foot against a stone. And you remember Jesus answered and said, don't tempt the Lord your God. And why did Jesus not if that was just flat out an open promise to anybody at any time, Jesus could have done it. But you know what Jesus is saying? Don't tempt the Lord your God. He's saying, if God wanted me to jump off and avoid the cross and all that, I'd jump off. But don't do things God doesn't want you to do and expect him to bail you out. That's what Jesus said in all of that. Go in the next verse. The devil misquoted Psalm uh, 91.11. He goes, in their hands, they'll bear you up, lest your foot dash uh, against a stone. That's only if, Jesus, if, the, the, if you're doing what God wants you to do. Look at this. I'll prove it to you in verse 13. Uh, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Tom, hey, what do you think is going to happen if you, like, go step on cobras and lions and tigers and bears? Oh, my. <laughs> What's going to happen, dude? Yeah, it ain't going to be pretty. But, God, you promised. You promised. When is the only time you can go tread on those serpents and on those lions and tigers and bears? When's the only time you can do that? If he told you to. How many of y'all are so glad God has not told you to go tread on a cobra yet? <laughs> Amen. But you've got your own cobras to tread on and stuff. But that's what the point is. Oh, sorry, EJ. <laughs> EJ's so OCD on this cords, man. I just messed them up. All right. but, but in that, so, so the point is, is whatever God tells you to do, have no fear in doing that. But don't go do stupid stuff and ask God to bail you out. With this storm, how many of you did God say to stay? How many of you, God told you to stay? Okay, awesome. Were we right and all those other babies who left wrong because nothing happened? No, because listen, how many of you prayed and God said to go? Yeah, how many of you didn't ask God? <laughs> next time, ask him. Seriously, next time, ask him. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> yeah. See how close you guys could have gotten in your family <laughs> if God... <laughs> 
<laughs> so, but seriously, who was right, who was wrong? You were right if you did what God told you to do, but you gotta ask them and do what God says to do. That's all I said. Somebody has made a comment and I said, they're like, you gotta get out of there. And I'm like, God has not told me to leave. And, and it has worked out. And if I would have been in the middle and my whole family's cussing me because we're drowning in our attic, I would have said, God, this is his will for us. This is, <laughs> this is what God told us to do. If God, if God told you and JJ and, and you guys to go do something else, you should have done it. You listen to God, not me. <laughs> but that's the bottom line in this. You do what God tells you to do and you can have confidence to know that what's going to need to be accomplished will be accomplished. Next verse, we're almost done. So here's God now talking about the person who's hanging out, dwelling in his, the place of godliness, man. Dwelling in the place of God. Dwelling in the place of godliness. Staying so close to God that, not, that nothing else even matters. He said, here's what's going to happen with all of that. It says, because he set his love upon me, therefore I'm a deliverer. What does the word deliver mean? We don't. It, the word deliver means he's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in this situation. And it goes on and says, I will set him on high because he has known my name. In other words, he's not going to drown in these circumstances, no matter how bad they get. He's not drowning in them. He shall call upon me. I'll answer him. How valuable is that? Yes. Man, how valuable is that? Have you ever called out, some called out, how many of y'all are trying to call your power company right now to no avail? <laughs> and they're not answering. Dude, I thought it was bad when my Wi-Fi went out Friday night in the hurricane. I'm like, hey, dude, I need Wi-Fi. This is, and I'm with somebody in the Philippines. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, sir, you probably don't have Wi-Fi because a storm is approaching. I know, that's why I need it, so I can see this. And, and I'm calling to Comcast with no avail. <laughs> There's nothing worse than calling for help and not getting an answer. But he says, man, you stay tight with me. I'm right there. You can even whisper and I'll hear it. Man, you call upon me, I'll answer you. I'll be with you in trouble. <laughs> there, there's going to be trouble, but he's going to be with us in it. I'll deliver him and I'll honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hey, what is this long life he's talking about? What's the longest life you can have? Eternal. Yeah, eternal. Eternal. With long, and, and eternal starts right now. Eternal started the minute you got saved. It's a quality of life, not a quantity. He said, man, I'll give you long life and satisfy you. How are you going to be fully satisfied? It's not about getting what you want. It's wanting what you get. You get that? It's not about getting what you want. That's what babies and brats do. And then they get disappointed when they don't get what they want and they go somewhere else to try to get it, right? And then eventually they grow up and realize it's not about getting what you want, hopefully, before they die. But it's about wanting what you get, knowing that the most loving Father, the one, as we talked about from the beginning, that, that the God who possesses everything, who likes to provide everything you need, who makes promises and is powerful enough to keep him, that's the one who wants to give you what you need. That's the one that wants to satisfy you. And that's the one that's given us eternal life.